Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experienced masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Welcome back to another episode of the Unconvention 2022 podcast with your host, Warwick Mary. Now, today we have the CEO's CEO. He is a man who deals with people so senior and does so much that he nearly has lack of oxygen. He's that high up. And he's a really nice guy who has a cannon. So do not mess with a man with a cannon. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey Hazlett. Welcome, Jeffrey. Good, and I have a bridge. It's not as big as the one in Sydney Harbor, but or Manly Harbor. I, you know, I want to make sure I get it right. The Sydney Bridge in Manly Harbor, I think, is right. Yeah, Sydney Harbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and it's a very lovely bridge too. So, I have followed you for some time and know a lot of the work you've done, but some of our listeners may not have. So, give us your two to three minute verbal showreel. What sure. do you usually speak on? What wows your audiences? What are you known for? Well, I typically talk about driving change in organizations and and about those people who stand in your way of you know, obstructing you and getting in the way of you making progress. I mean, that's what I typically do. I've bought and sold hundreds of companies, uh, well over 250 companies, over 25 billion in total transactions. And my last job was the last big job was the CMO of Eastman Kodak, a Fortune 100 company, which I did a lot of work down in your part of the world as well. And, uh, you know, I went on from there and then hosted my own TV show on Bloomberg Television worldwide and then left that and started C-Suite Radio, C-Suite TV, C-Suite Book Club, C-Suite Network, C-Suite Loans, C-Suite everything, you know, so you name it, I own it, about 150 different properties in that and built a, you know, a fairly large community of a couple hundred thousand people who've opted in and uh, paying members who are, you know, using their content, using their IP to be able to drive their business, whether you're, a, you know, a dry cleaner on Main Street or you're a titan on Wall Street, it's important for you to be able to reposition your content and, you know, to market yourself differently. And that's what we're doing today. So, with your role as a speaker, do you consider yourself a professional speaker or with everything that you do, is that just one small element of who you are and what what you do in your life? You know, I think that's a great distinction. If you label yourself just a speaker, you label yourself just a podcaster, you label yourself just an author, unless you're doing that almost 90% of your revenue or majority of your revenue, then you really aren't those things. You're just using them. They're tactics. And I don't think that speaking for me is not a destination. Although I'm in the Hall of Fame in the speaking, I'm in the Marketing Hall of Fame, I'm in the Sales and Marketing Hall of Fame, I'm in five different professional Hall of Fames, but yet I don't consider those the destinations. I just consider them, you know, tactics or tools that you use. Although you could call me a professional speaker without question, because at the level yeah. that I am doing it at that, you know, a level of, you know, less than one half of 1% of speakers in the world are at that level. Not, you know, bragging is just a fact. It's, it's never bragging <laughs> when it's a fact. Okay. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so by the way, I'm unadashedly or just absurdly um, American. So you're going to hear me, you know, be over the top. So you just, Better, better get used to that. <laughs> um, so, professional speaking is obviously not your destination. I'm really interested. 
What is, for Jeffrey Hazlett, what is your destination? Oh, well, I serve on 12 corporate boards today. I'll, I'll probably take another couple this year. We're in the process, this just this last week of investing or raising $30 million for one fund, another $50 million for another. You know, these are the things I do. I look for opportunities and, and make investments or, you know, help other people make investments, serve on boards like companies like DocuSign and, and many other companies that I've served on boards. I'm on three public companies today. I'm filling out paperwork for the Canadian stock exchange today. Just crazy. I was just filling out another uh, application for a cannabis license that I'm on a board for a publicly traded company, and I had to go through my security. So when you think of what I am, I'm a business guy. I'm just out there making a buck, just like everybody else. And if you really ask me, I'm a really good sales and marketing guy. That's that's what I would tell you. So what got you into speaking? Obviously, you've had a whole lot of corporate background and et cetera. When did you first get into speaking and how did that happen? I got in right after college. Uh, well, you know, all during high school, you know, in my grade schools, I was always the guy that was the MC of the play or, you know, stood up and did the oratory portions of all kinds of things at school. So that was always, uh, you know, a natural proclivity. And of course, Growing up as a teenager, I used to listen to some of the greatest orators and speakers of our time. You know, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, you know, Og Mandino, Norman Vincent Peale, Tony Hopkins, all these people who who later became friends of mine, which is interesting because at 26, I joined the National Speakers Association and um, decided I was going to go off and start doing my own program. So I started doing some programs about how to market or sell your business. My first one was how to rip the head off the competition. That was my first keynote. And then my second one was how to sell to Attila the Hun and live to tell about it. And another one was how to tell when your customers are lying. These were programs that I did in my 20s. But as a result, while I was doing those, I was also in business. You know, I was leading a public relations firm. Then I bought a printing company. Then I bought a TV station. Then I bought a, oh, sell your phone company. And then I, you know, I, I kept buying things and selling them and doing them and all the while still speaking. You know, I use speaking yeah. unconventionally as a marketing tool. I found out early on that the power of being on the stage is important. Now, to, to me, the power of podcasting is so incredibly important in in the digital age. You know, somebody asked me mm-hmm. recently, Warwick, about during COVID, they're part of the million dollar speakers group. Uh, you have to do at least a million dollars in speaking revenue a year in order to be in that group. There's not a ton of people in that group, as you can imagine. That's a very elite group. When you think of you're depending on what you do for speeches, you know, you know, I do like 160 during COVID, it went to 300 and some, not for the same amount of money. But that in that group, the speaker had said, I can't wait to stand up on stage again. And I said, I can't wait to never step on another stage the rest of my life because yeah. it's, it's just changed the way we've done the way that we do business. I'm really interested in your comment about how important podcasting is. Talk to me more about that. Why is podcasting so important? maybe for us as speakers or for business people. And is there, have you got any tips on how we take advantage of podcasting? Yeah, you know, I lead the C-Suite Radio Network, which is podcasting. We have over 400 business podcasts on our network. We're growing at 450% a year in listeners, you know, 127% new shows, 132% new episodes. Why? And the reason for that is the use of content and getting content out to the key audience that you need to be able to reach. And podcasting gives you a, a way to do that digitally. And, and one of the most intimate forms of media that there is, and that's the verbal listening, because you're literally in inside someone's head. That's why 
you know, when you do a podcast, you have to make sure you do it right, you know, in terms of sound and those kinds of things. It's important because of people, your listeners here. But podcasting is one method of many, but probably one of the most effective in that you can establish yourself as a category leader. And I think every business has to do that today. I don't care whether you're a thought leader and you're a coach, a trainer, an author, a speaker, or you're a titan on Wall Street, or you're a dry cleaner in Carnegie, in Carnegie, for instance, you know, it's right there in Australia. If you're a dry cleaner, you have to become known as the king of spots, you know, the king of spot removal. Well, how do you do that? Well, you can go out and advertise it, but, you know, that's not going to work because no one listens to ads anymore. You can go out and email a lot of people. Okay, but that's only your, as, as good as your email list that you have. And quite frankly, most people are filtering that stuff out anyway. So you have to create content. You know, content's king, activation's queen, but context is the kingdom. To get the content in the right place at the right time for the right person to see it and act on that. That's what you have to do. And so podcast gives us the great ability for searchability, for, you know, telling the story. And also, quite frankly, for a lot of people who are in B2B, and that's mostly who, you know, we serve in the C-Suite Network or with C-Suite Radio's B2B is, you know, making sure that we're getting it out to the right people, but also to use it to get to the people that you want to reach, meaning you interview the people that you want to do business with. So a lot of the time, what I spend time on my own podcast is I'm interviewing the CEOs that you mentioned earlier, or the titans of industries of different companies or different associations, and they end up hiring me. So hello, <laughs> that's like if, if I'm doing that weekly, that's 52 sales calls. Yeah. You know, and how many do I have to close in order to be very successful? I'd be happy with two or three of those. Yeah. 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 So with everything that you do, have you ever got to the point of just going, you know what, stuff this, I've got more than enough money to walk over no. my bridge and fire my cannon every day. I'm no. not interested anymore. I'm, I'm done. No. That's how you keep score. That's that's what, you know, it's a game. It's not a matter whether I win or lose, because I'm going to lose a lot, because that's the key. But it's it's how we keep score. I mean, in business, that's how we keep score. Right. What do you do to relax? Like, with the amount of work that you're doing and the companies you're involved in and all your different ideas that you bring to fruition, how do you turn off? You, you have to compartmentalize different things, you know, to put yourself in a position. You know, Stephen Covey many years ago said you had to have a balance between your friends, between your spirit, between your business and your family. And to me, it's like, a, I don't know if you call them teeter-totters or four-way seesaws, but those four-way seesaws where there was one on one side and, you know, there's four different yeah. seats. I kind of look at my life as how to balance that, you know, as much yeah. as possible. And it's really tough for me because I'm, I am a workaholic and I mean literally a yeah. workaholic. You know, I even went, got treatment for it, you know, at one point, you know, because I work so much. But yet I was sitting in the back of the room trying to figure out the take and how much money you could make and thinking that was a pretty good <laughs> business. So, pretty good. And then, you know, then you mentioned, you know, I, I have my can in a bridge. I'm sitting here and I'm looking out over the here. It's incredibly cold on Fahrenheit. It's minus five degrees today. And the, the river's icing up and there's my bridge. And of course, the cannon and I'm watching a bald eagle and a golden eagle fly back and forth. I mean, you just got to got to find the moments when you can and take that time and realize you have to recharge. There's yeah. just something you have to do. Hey, um, the last few years under pandemic have been, let's just say, special. Uh, let's just say it sucks. It sucks. It's so bad. Yeah, it's, it's just crap. Yeah. So, how has it affected you? What have you been able to take advantage of it in any way? Has it been massively negative in any way? What's the impact been for you? It's been a, a pivot in the business and understanding. I mean, if you're a speaker, you you had to pivot digitally. If you're, you know, author, you had to do different things. If you're, you know, but running my business as C suite 
we used to do 150 events a year face to face face to face and of course you know when they, when covid hit i had a major event that was supposed to be on a battleship and i had admirals coming i had generals coming i had all kinds of speakers and of course i lost everything i lost the deposits lost the the business I would have normally gotten 350 people there. I ended up getting 3,500 online. Right. So for me, it was about not surviving, but to drive and thrive. And I said that immediately. I said, we got to retool. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I couldn't even sew a freaking mask, you know. But what I could be is a business first responder. So what do I have to do in order to get my business in shape and help other people? And that's what I did. And so I just charged ahead. And as a result of that, we came out stronger and better. And we increased our sales and we did we did more on the bottom line so and we retooled the business now instead of 150 face-to-face programs we did over 300 last year and um so just a different way of looking at it i like it better uh there are certain aspects i don't like i can't you know i was stuck home not that that's a bad thing but you know it had to retool rethink about how i work the way i work and you had to learn that you know you have to like you said earlier work you have to step away you can't work 20 hours a day like we you know some of us started to do because we didn't put boundaries on ourselves but you know you have to learn sitting's the new cancer right you know you can't be yeah. sitting down all the time you got to get off your yeah. rear end and walk around do some other things yeah. and i just i didn't do that i just delved into the business and so that that part was bad but but i also learned out that we could we could do more remote we could do more mm. away from things we don't need all that office space that we thought we needed you know there's some different things that we got to think that through how do you want to operate in the future? And I think it's fundamentally changing a lot of ways that people do business. Now, I know that so you're based in South Dakota and yeah. you did have an office in New York City. Do you still have that office? No, we shut it down. Yeah. We ended up shutting it down about nine months ago. Right. Uh, but we had, you know, had an apartment there. I still, we still got, you know, still got a place there, but, but also had the office there and everything else. And, uh, yeah, but I haven't been back. We're taping this in, in December and I haven't been back since March. Yeah. So are you even, likely to reopen it, uh, reopen an office there? Or are you like, yeah. we can run it from anywhere. So why would I go back there? The, the latter. And, uh, but yeah. I will go back. You have to be there. So that it just will be in a different form, right? Yeah. 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 It's just a different yeah. form. Uh, will we have a, a office with, you know, 20 people in spending, you know, two, couple hundred thousand dollars a year in rent? No. Uh, uh-uh. no. Yeah. Uh-uh. Not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, not if you don't have to. No. Hey, um, so I'm interested for the C-suite um, organization, which has your 150 different uh, topics or tags or, or whatever. How, how big is your organization? How many people do you have working for you? We have about 30-something people that work for us and then a whole yeah. about double that in contractors. Okay. And then, you know, with, um, many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of paying members, yeah. Yeah. Do you offshore any of your team or are the majority of your team, you know, based in the U.S.? Mostly in the U.S., U.S. and Canada, North America, just because that's yeah. a, a majority, vast majority of our business. Although, you know, we are getting a great number of podcasters from Australia, from Ireland, from France, from uh, Romania. I mean, everywhere, you name it, we're getting podcasters from all over. And we're getting a lot of people joining us uh, as executive members from all over, too. Even with the time changes, yeah. you know, we try to we try to do things early in the morning, 
wait at night so that we can, you know, take advantage of, you know, like for you, it's opposite of the opposite time right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, it's now that we are doing a lot more business online, you just like, well, the alarm goes off early, you get up, you do it, you, you go back to sleep, you, you know, do whatever you got to do, get an early start in the day. Exactly. And with the speaking industry, things have changed a lot. Um, I think, you know, as you would probably agree that COVID's really taken us digitally a lot quicker than people were ready for or organize or our customers were ready for. Throw yourself out 10 years. What do you reckon speaking will be like in 10 years? Are we looking at holograms? Are we looking at, you know, mind melds? What do you reckon? I think there's going to be still a lot more of the digital side of that. I don't think we're ever going to go away. I think that'll be the majority of the business. I do think that speakers are going to change. You're going to have the super elite speakers who are just either in two ways. One, they're celebrities. So they're at the celebrity level or two, they're ultra high subject matter experts. And then you're going to have a low tier, you know, uh, what I want to call that rotary toast. And I don't want people to get upset with me if you're a Toastmaster, but where you typically do those speeches for free or for experience or to spread the message. And I don't think you'll have what I would call a lot of the main speakers that have made it, you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars a year. Professionally speaking, I just don't see that. I don't see that sustaining itself. You'll have to be more of a trainer. You'll have to be more of a coach. You'll have to have a model that has other monetization to your thought or to your IP in order to survive. You just, it will not be a destination. Yeah. Okay. And I might, and, that, and might sound, that? that might sound more like doom and gloom for a lot of speakers, but no, it just says, that, you know, it's, it's just going to have to be at the top of your game if that's what you want to do. I actually agree with you. And I think it's people know they don't want a head on a stick telling me what to do. I want the discussion to happen with me in that more training mode. So, Or, or they want to hear the story of the person who's done it. You know, like, you know, I bought yeah. and sold 250 businesses. I've, you know, been, I've been on uh, Celebrity Apprentice with Donald Trump for three years as a judge. I've been uh, the head of a television network, uh, worked in motion pictures, yeah. worked in this, done in this, you know, and they want to hear that experience. So, like, I, I can tell you what it was like to be at a, you know, $187 billion company on the brink of bankruptcy continually as we tried to move through the change. And then what we had to do to change that and we how we bought more time for that business and then COVID hit, you know, for them. Um, yeah. You know, so I think that experience, you want to understand what that's like. So I can stand up in front of an audience and they'll say, well, our business is different. And I'll have to say, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a, you just sell, you sell something different, but your industry is no different. There are trends. There are different things. And you're go- you're about to be disrupted. And, you're, you know, you've got captains of no that work for you and you need generals of go. You know, so th- those yeah. are the different. I think that you'll you'll need that kind of experience. Talk to me a little bit about the succession plan for your business because you've built something significant. Yep. And I seem to recall that some of your family actually work in the business as well. Correct. Yeah. Are they going to inherit it from you and, you know, take over and run it? What have you, have you even thought about the future sure. of your business? You're like, I'm, you have to you know, think what, about that when, when it's a person. When you first start what you would call more of a personality based business, right? Yeah. Meaning, that the reason the C-suite really worked was because I was in the C-suite and I was able to speak to that 
and was representative of that. You know, Forbes called me the celebrity CMO, you know, front cover of the magazine. You know, I was, you know, doing massive television all across the world with Bloomberg. So, yeah, all that stuff you have to think about and you have to go, okay, we're going to use me as the poster child to begin with. We're going to use me as the eye candy, but yet that won't sustain itself. So what do we have to do to over time to make sure that I'm not the person that's on every meeting? And that's the way it is today. We have meetings that I have no clue even. I, oh my God, we did that last week. Oh, that's great. You know, and also the, the, you know, only one of my children now work in the business, but I make sure they're not necessarily reporting to me all the time because that, that's not healthy for them. It's not healthy for me. Uh, to some extent, and each has to earn their own spot in their own way. So, yeah, we have a succession plan. It's developing. We see it. You know, we have different people who do different things, and and they're doing a great job. But running, they're running the business day to day. I just show up. I'm just a pretty face out front. <laughs> Fantastic. And what a wonderful face it is uh, as well. Well, you know, this face deserves to be on TV. You should have this as a video, not just as an audio <laughs> podcast. Uh, uh, my face needs to be on radio, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, um, so let's talk about Unconvention 2022, and we're very grateful to have you as part of it. What are delegates from your session going to be walking away with? What are they going to find out at, at your session? You know, I'm going to spend a great deal of time talking about how to monetize the business in different ways. Like, we tend to think of ourselves only as speakers. We tend to think of ourselves as only, I only make this. Well, what are the things that you can spin out of that business? What are the other things that you can monetize? And then what are the greatest leaders in the business doing and how are they doing that? So I'm going to show the thought monetization line and curve and show people exactly this is what you know the tops of the tops of the tops of the industry are doing now it doesn't mean you have to do it but don't you want to know what they're doing don't you want to understand the possibilities or the you know the opportunities that you might have that you might not have thought about and there is a progression of this there is a a way of doing this whether or not you agree to it or want to do it but there are ways and acceptable models and there are different ways to take a look at it. you know a lot of people will say to me, you know, you'll hear this all the time, work. Oh, I, I never, I don't speak for free. <laughs> I speak for free all the time. And by the way, let me be clear. I, I used to get, you know, 20, 25 to 35,000 hours of speech, but in some cases, I speak for free and walk out of there with 300,000 hours. Hello. <laughs> I, I, give me another free speech, please. You know, and so how do you do that? Or how do you position yourself to, you know, get that kind of interest off the stage or off the program or off the screen? And then how do you also get, you know, board solicitations, uh, consulting contracts and other things without selling from the stage, but you're selling from the stage. And so that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to have some fun with. Fantastic. Just one last question before we wrap things up with our rapid fire. For the speaking community out there, what do you reckon the two things that they could do to help them advance their business right now? What are the two things you see speakers really missing that they need to do? First of all, I would look at their websites, which is an interesting piece, as though you're the first person to ever see it. And mostly for convenience factors. I'm still blown away by how many speakers don't have their cell phone numbers. Or even a, a telephone number to reach them. It, it blows my mind. I will, I put my email address on the screen when I speak to people. I give out my cell phone in the, to anything, put it everywhere. I don't care because I want people to reach me. So I, that's one. Number one is to look at the website as though you've never seen yourself before. And what are the two or three or four up to seven convenience factors you might want to have on there? And then what is it? The one or two things I want them to understand. This is the problem that I help you solve. 
That's one. All right. The second thing is you better get digital, man, or woman. You better go, 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 and you better be running as fast as you possibly can because in this case, because of COVID, COVID didn't cause this. It accelerated. So days became weeks, weeks became months, months became years, and years became decades. That's what we're faced with right now. And so if you haven't caught that picture, you better get off your couch, quit eating bonbons or whatever you might be eating on the couch, and get to work because that's what you have to do. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up with a rapid fire. What's your favorite platform? Zoom, Teams, I, uh, it's, Web Connect? It's been Zoom. Zoom, I was one of Zoom's very first customers. Probably they're in their top 10 customers of ever, them ever getting started. I heard about them, called the CEO at home and said, hey, I want to use your program, uh, Eric Wang. I had Zoom for free for the first like three or four years that they co- started the company. In fact, that little button in the corner of Zoom that says exit, leave, or quit meeting, yeah. uh, he calls that the Jeff Hazel button because I called him one day to complain because I couldn't tell how to get off. And he says it's right there. <laughs> and the next day he called me and he made it red. It was red text and then now it's a red button. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to Jeff Hazel. By the way, way, my favorite platform is the one they're paying me on. That's the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. That's so wise, yeah. Hey, uh, what's your favorite tech hack that you use personally? Oh, it's probably Witty Parrot. And most people probably don't know about it, but it's it's free mm-hmm. in Microsoft. Although I work, we started working with the company before they went to Microsoft, and it's called Witty Parrot, and it's basically a little widget that sits on the right hand side of your computer, and it drags and drops paragraphs, lines, letters, full letters, invitation, everything. It's absolutely my biggest. And the second one I have to throw, shout shout this out is Monday yeah. Monday dot com Monday dot com. Okay. I just love it. What's Monday dot com? It's a, it's a it. take, I keep t- uh, track of tasks. And I get to manage all the tasks okay. with all my my team members, clients, you know everything. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, what's your favorite meal? Oh, my favorite meal. It's got a well. I'm a steak guy, so I I I love bacon. Bacon would be at the top of the list. Just bacon. I could just eat bacon. But if I, I have had goodies bacon, see, you and I are sort of known for bacon, yeah. And because I I've noticed there's a lot of things we've been tagged in around our bacon, so yeah, yeah I'm with you on that one. But but probably has to be a good ribeye, bone-in ribeye steak, and you know, although you know, listen, been down to Australia a great deal. I love lamb, lamb roast. Oh my god, lamb chops, everything. Yeah. Oh man, I'm a meat eater. I'm actually I'm a <laughs> vegetarian i'm a vegetarian i eat all the things that eat vegetables that's what that's I it yeah. that's it that's it we're saving we're saving the vegetables of the world by eating the meat <laughs> what's your favorite holiday spot oh favorite holiday spot to go uh it's usually home home mm-hmm. home is just great but if i if i got to go somewhere i love the beach so what what beach do you go from from South Dakota? Because South Dakota is not known for its beaches. <laughs> no, no. It's, if you ever watch the movie Dances with Wolves, that's South Dakota. Yeah. Okay, it's in the middle of, right. of just nothing but prairie and, and a few mountains on the western part of the state. So no, I like to go down to uh, to Florida. It, my my fam- my dad was in the military, and so we used to go down to Florida. We had relatives down there, so we went to Clearwater, Largo area. I love places like that. But I'll go to any beach. I enjoy it. But I like yeah. quiet, quiet. You know. Get away from everybody. I don't, you know, I love Miami, but I don't like hanging out in the Miami beach. You know, I'd rather go to yeah, yeah, some yeah. other nicer beach and just not see people as much. Yeah, go where the people aren't. Correct. Um, all right, so what? Uh, what's your preference, wine, beer, gin, vodka, or tequila? Scotch. 
Scotch. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, it's, I'm, a, I'm a Scotch drinker. But then next would be one. I only drink water, wine, whiskey, you know, or coffee. That's pretty yeah. much all I Or tea. I like tea, too. Yeah, it's good It's good to have your things you stick to. Hey, if you could have a dinner party with three people in the world, life or dead, who would it be? You know, it, quite frankly, it would be my family. Yeah. I, I work. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm kind of like the been known as the celebrity CMO, celebrity this. And I, I, there's nobody I don't know or I can't. I wouldn't pick up the phone and call. So if I want to have dinner with them, I just call them and go have dinner with them. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not trying to be flippant or you know uh, bodacious in, in that comment. So I typically no, I'd rather I'd rather have dinner with my wife and my grandbabies or my son and his daughter, yeah. my uh, daughter-in-law, or my son-in-law, and my daughter. Yeah. yeah, and as you say before, it's not bragging when it's a fact. Yeah. As a man who runs an organization who has thousands of podcasts out there what's your favorite book or podcast for inspiration oh you know it, besides it, of course your own podcast no, which I'm no, sure like. well i would like mine because i i get in such great in, interesting stories i you know it's what it's the usually it's the one i'm listening to the most recent whatever that is you know the average yeah. person listens to eight podcasts a week uh, that's listening to podcasts from five different shows. I listen to tons more than that because I'm always looking for great podcasts and I'm always yeah. looking for great insights. And the same thing with books. I have a stack. I just stacked them over at my desk, probably 25 books there. And I just take them one by one by one by one and read them as I go. And now I'm reading about the Israeli Mossad. I just finished the energy bus. I got a book over there called Fishing in the Adirondacks, which was written in the 40s, and I'm going to read that. And so th that's a mountain in, up in New York area in Pennsylvania. And, uh, eat, white, eat like a wild man sitting over there, and the membership economies over there. Eh. Anyway, I just got reading a book about uh, Annie Oakley the other day. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. 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 I enjoy yeah. that. When you read, do you read slowly word for word, or do you just skim through, then dig deep in bits, and then come back? I just the reason I ask is, sure, you consume a lot of books. Do you have the time to slowly get into the detail of each? Book? I read everything. I read it all. Okay. Yeah, but I yeah. but I get up in the morning, read. I go to bed. I usually read. I'm now doing a lot more things on my phone, or I'm reading on my phone, which I don't like, yeah. but I am. Yeah. And then I finally figured out how to start downloading movies and stuff like that, so I'm doing that. You know, which I yeah. I wish I had never taught myself how to do that because I just <laughs> love to read so much or to listen. Yeah. You know, that's one of the cool things about podcasting is you could be vacuuming, mopping, you could be driving, you could be exercising, you could be walking and listen to a podcast. You can't do that with yeah. video, and you can't do that with a yeah. book, other than if it's being read to you. So. Audiobook, yeah. yeah. Hey, Jeffrey Hazlett, thank you so much for your company today. I'm really looking forward to your session at Unconvention 2022. So thank you for your company. Really appreciate it. Thanks. I can't wait to come back down and be part of the Down Under. I wish we were doing it face-to-face, -face, but we can't. We'll do it the best way we possibly can. I've been to Australia probably well over 200 times. And yes. um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to be back with uh, my cousins. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to having you here. You've been listening to another episode of the Unconvention 2022 podcast with Jeffrey Hazlett and Warwick Neri. We look forward to your company on the next edition. See you then. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation. And follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022.
This episode is sponsored by your podcast concierge, podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest. 